Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Murphy's Law, the podcast where Charles Villanueva and I talk about whatever the hell comes to mind whenever we feel like it, despite always having <laughs> a script written out and planned. Um, we've yet to yet to do a good job of following a single one of our scripts so far, so I wouldn't expect it to be any better today. Um, Charles, how's it going today? Doing good, yeah. It sucks that we can't get our scripts together. <laughs> yeah, we have a little bit of an issue with getting off topic, but um so far the feedback's been been good you know it's been been a ton of fun for us and people that i've talked to seem to be fine with it so okay so uh so we were gonna start off today with and i would put it in like the mini scoop category um Mm. and i'm not even sure if it's even a scoop it's a little bit of a rumor but it comes from someone that's been fairly reliable in the past so i guess we'll jump right into that um we know disney plus is is um making some some marvel studios related tv shows we know they're going to be integral to the plot of the mcu moving forward and so one of the the thing we wanted to lead the show off with was some rumors that uh i heard about the wandavision show in the comics um scarlet witch has kind of been all over the place with her power set um it, it's been very it's it's been rebooted and and retconned a bunch of different times but at, at one point one of the key aspects of her power set was that she had reality altering powers charles you remember some of those good old line old storylines from back then oh yeah i mean obviously the biggest one is house of m where she and, just fucks everything up just ruins everything for mutants and yep. for the for the entirety of the of the universe really because everything changed and so we've heard some some weird stuff about what the wandavision show might be we've heard like um elizabeth olsen talking about it having a 50s setting or a 50s feel and charles and i talked about like when we heard that we didn't actually interpret it as it took place in the 50s but maybe they were going for like a, a, for, for a like a bewitched specific. yeah like a, a bewitched or a leave it to beaver or i dream of genie sort of vibe Lucy. show man that would be even better yeah. that might be the best that might be the best one um yeah and so so that's that aside one of the things that i was told and again i would i would just categorize this as a rumor um i'm not i've not read any script work or talked to anybody on a crew or anything like that but i heard that as this show unfolds it's going to find wanda really starting to come into her own with her power set and that the reality-altering powers from the comics are going to make their way into the MCU. Mm, interesting. That's big if true. If true, for the if number true, of different yep. things that could mean. Yeah. If true, the yeah. number of different things that could mean is, is huge. I mean, it's interesting because, uh, as we know, the reality stone doesn't necessarily alter the entire fabric of reality. Right. Uh, it's a bit nerfed, I think. So it's interesting uh, to what extent one does quote unquote reality altering powers will, would be. Will it be akin to the ether changing someone's gun into bubbles or something? Right. Something something on that level. I've yeah always wondered. Like, I, I've always wondered. I, I don't know if this is something that has been answered before. But so Wanda and Pietro, their powers came from, as far as we know, experimentation from the Mind Stone, right? From the Sept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've always, like, I'm, you know, when you see Wanda's powers, they come with a red energy. Yep, um, yep. 
which, you know, always made me think like, okay, maybe it's somehow connected to the reality stone. And Pietro's powers, you always saw like, like the blue blur, the blue energy. So this oh. always made me think like, well, he was able to move through, he was able to move so fast because he was using the powers from the space stone, right? Like he was space able to. Oh, shit. Okay. Fast. Okay. I don't know if that's accurate. That's kind of how I always had it in my head. I don't know what the link would be between the mind stone allowing them powers of the other stones. I don't know if there's anything to yeah. do with that. I mean, it could just be something I made up in my head, but I like it because it fits here, right? So this this this, right, right, yeah. this revelation or this this rumor to me that she's going to have reality altering powers fits with like my own personal headcanon of what's been going on the whole time. And it, I guess it goes hand in hand with her showcasing of her full abilities in Endgame. Yeah, with her, her where being... She, where really, she totally, yep, where she totally destroys Thanos, prompts him to destroy everything on the battlefield. I mean, that's the full extent of her powers. And apparently it's not, according to this rumor. Yeah, if this if this rumor is true, she's going to be able to stretch even beyond where we saw her go in Endgame. And, and what yeah. that could mean, uh, it, we talked about this briefly before we recorded, but what that could mean is, you know, obviously we know Paul Bettany's coming back and, and Vision's going to be back. Um, and we sort of, we know Young Avengers is is coming somehow down the road. So we kind of wondered, like, is this is this reality altering ability of hers going to be where maybe maybe it'll be both speed and Wiccan? Maybe it'll just be Wiccan. Is it, but basically, is this where Wanda and Vision's kids are going to come into play? I'm more I'm more interested in whether or rather how they bring Vision back. Will these powers uh, be related to Vision's resurrection, or will it be something like you said for maybe the kids or? Maybe it has something to do with the 50s vibe they were talking about. So, yeah. Yeah. And it could be, man, I'm, I'm really interested to see. And we won't know. I mean, this this show isn't slated to shoot right away. I think it was late fall or something was the rumor we heard about that. Um, we have no idea. And then we know Falcon and Winter Soldier won't air until August of 2020. 2020. So, so we're really going to be um, kind of just guessing for a really long time on on yeah. what's going on with this show but it is it is interesting to start hearing some rumors um timeline wise i think i think it's an appropriate time to start hearing some buzz about the shows because if they're going to film in the fall they're going to start putting things together we know jack schaefer has been working on that show for several months so it's yeah. I, I feel like it's an appropriate time to start hearing some stuff i don't i'm not shocked to be hearing some stuff right now and speaking of uh disney plus news uh we got a big one yesterday or the other day I think two days ago. So for the, those of you guys that missed it, um, the they hired a director for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier series. Um, so there's going to be a six-episode series. They confirmed that it's going to be dealing with um, Sam and what goes through his head after picking up the shield. And they confirmed that Agent 13 and Baron Zemo are in talks to return for the show. That honestly is the most exciting part of the of the announcement. The return of Zemo and Sharon. Because, I mean, we all know Zemo's probably one of the best villains they've ever had. And you kind of know that they kept him alive for a reason. And it could be, as a lot of people are saying, this could be the tip of the iceberg, right? Like, w the last time we saw Zemo, he was in custody still um, with with Everett Ross. Um, everybody's been thinking yeah. that this is going to lead, that that... that that his the last time we saw him in, in custody with Ross, who works for Thunderbolt Ross, would lead to a Thunderbolts film or series or something at some point. This this seems like it could be the tip of the iceberg as to what's to come for Zemo, who oh, and yeah. 
you have a brilliant actor playing in Daniel Brule playing Zemo, and he was great in what he had to do in Civil War. So I'm this this is like you said, this is the thing I'm most excited about, knowing now that kind of even overshadows for me <laughs> the the idea of Sam picking up the shield and carrying on the name of Captain oh, yeah. America. I find yeah, myself yeah. about Zemo's return. I sure as hell would love to see him done that fucking purple ski mask. That's all I want. <laughs> Yeah, that that's gotta happen at some point. I'm with you. Yeah, or or at least like a variation of that. I mean, they've been killing it with costumes lately. If you can put a bubble on Mysterio's head, you can give Zemo a ski mask. Oh yeah, it. give him a sock on his head. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, apparently they got uh they found a director to helm all six episodes. Um, yeah. they got the Handmaid's Tale director Carrie Scotland to do the entire thing, which to me is. Like the most interesting takeaway with that is they they got one person to do all six episodes because for me like in the shows I watch, if there's a show with one consistent director all throughout the season, there's a maintained quality all throughout. There's a specific vision tying everything all together, thanks to that one director. And them getting one person to do the entire thing makes me very hopeful for their direction with the show, because with MCU TV right they 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 have a different director for each episode some of the the quality changes per episode so when you think like daredevil luke cage <clears throat> those series on on netflix yeah each episode was directed by somebody else that's the same way i think with agents of shield they do have some like some names that return to direct more often than others but again it, it's episode to episode and so what essentially what you have here i think is a chance for and i think this is what they've been what they want and what they've been talking about but you have the chance here for Falcon and the Winter Soldier to be a six-hour, 10-hour, 12-hour long movie, right? We don't know how yeah, yeah. long each of these episodes are going to be, but you have the you have the opportunity for one director to come in and, and, like you said, maintain that consistent vision for the entirety of the whatever the runtime is. I mean, I hope it ends up being like an hour just per, per episode because I don't want it to be too long. I don't want it to be. I don't want it to get too drawn out. Uh, we know how. Right the Netflix shows turned out because of those long-ass episodes. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very hopeful that they do an hour per episode. Yeah, if you can get somewhere, like you think about some of the, the best episodes of TV over the past several years, it seems like that sweet spot is somewhere between like 50 minutes and an hour and five minutes, right? Like you can get plenty done and leave a setup for whatever's next. And, and that's what you're. That's yeah. what I would expect here. Like you're talking about serial uh, storytelling at this point, you know, so you're going to, always want to leave something hanging for that next show. I mean, also on the topic of being serialized, uh, a part of me wishes that these shows will be a one-and-done thing. Like, obviously, I mean, it, it never hurts to see more of Falcon and Winter Soldier, but I don't know, like, there's something uh, appealing to me about it being just a miniseries. One season mm -hmm. of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. That's it. Yeah. That's, the, that's, the, that's the entire thing. Like extended, like very extended one shots, right? Like these are, yeah, and, I, and I, kind of, yeah. I kind of think they might be. Like my sense of it, just from hearing what Feige's had to say, is these are going to be like interludes for these characters. Like this is what's going on between their movie appearances. So yeah, yeah. like well, while you might see Sam Wilson, Captain America in another Disney Plus series down the line, I don't think it's going to be Falcon and the Winter Soldier season two. So I, I, think, I think that's what we're getting is like, I guess that's the best word I have for it in my head is like an, an interlude between these appearances on, on the big screen, which is, which is good. And yeah, speaking of um, uh, their adventures, did we talk about that Black Widow rumor? 
that came out last week out of nowhere. We nope. haven't talked about it yet. Okay, so, so for everyone who who missed it, uh, like a rumor came out out of nowhere. I think it was on Tumblr. According to that rumor, Sebastian mentioned in a, in a recent con appearance that the Black Widow movie would take place after the the events of Civil War, which I found super interesting because all these all this time the the main idea was that it was taking place before Iron Man two, right? Yep, that was what we were. That's what we were told. Way back yeah. when, that, that it was a pre-Iron Man two uh, story. Yeah. So, what do you think of the that uh, Civil War rumor? I think I think the timeline is super interesting, right? Because there's this opens up like all kinds of all kinds of cans of worms. I think you wrote about it at MCU Exchange, but this would be yeah. at a time where you. I mean, you remember how Civil War ended? Like Tony, Tony told her that they were coming, they'd be coming for her, and she should watch her back, yeah. right? Yeah. So. This is this opens up all kinds of interesting avenues here. Like we we know that they've cast a couple of the characters are supposed to be American characters. Like David Harbour's character is an American character. He's not a Russian double agent. So yeah, is this somebody that Ross has sent after Black Widow? Is mm, okay, very interesting. Is, is that is that on in the in play too? Like is this going to be a movie where? She's got Russian agents hunting her down, where she's got U.S. agents hunting her down. I'm I'm super interested to see what happens. I mean, I know that there are still the diehards out there who are sure that she's going to be alive somehow, and and uh, <laughs> man, that just drives me insane. Like they can't just accept the very <laughs> the very obvious end to her story and what the directors and the writers had to say about it. But yeah, yeah I think it's I think it's an interesting time period to set a movie for sure, because there's so much. That we don't know, right? Like yeah. Civil War, Civil War ended in 2016, and then we don't see Black Widow again until she's on the on the yeah pops up two years later with Captain America in uh in Scotland. We never really get to feel the ramifications of the Accords, like after Civil War. Like the right. most we've seen is is Scott getting to play drums at home. Like that's it. That's the full extent of the Accords uh, we've seen. And if this if this if this rumor ends up being true, I mean, I, I'd really like to see how the accords affects, I mean, the government in general, and how and how they uh, basically police uh, whatever whatever danger there is out there. I'm interested in how the government responds to it. Yeah, and you know, if it if it does take place during this time, so it's let's say it's 2016, 2017. Um, it really puts some of these other characters that will be introduced in there. And this has been one of my arguments on Twitter with people for quite some time. Like, why would you even tell this story? And I said, look, they're putting pieces on the board that'll be a part of the future of the MCU, obviously. Like, yeah. they're, they're not telling some one-off story um, just to give Scarlett uh, her solo movie because she deserves it. Like, they're, they're going to put pieces on the board that are going to have some role to play down the line. So if, whether it's Florence, Florence, Florence Pugh playing Belova or whatever, you know, whichever way that goes, it could be, you know, it could be that the villain is actually Taskmaster or it could be. So maybe he joins the team of Thunderbolts or he could be a different villain yeah. that joins the team of Thunderbolts. It, yeah. There's definitely there's definitely some setup here going on for the future. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, the same way Captain Marvel did with the Skrulls, you know. Mm-hmm. It's those it's those tiny seeds that that will pay off years down the line. Yeah, like you said, it's not just some one-off thing where 
Rufangi's like, oh, it's just this single thing, and it has no it has no value beyond uh, this movie. I mean, there's there's always value beyond that. What they're doing? There's they're always thinking ahead, and there's always you know pieces in motion yeah. behind the scenes. And I'm, you know, we are getting closer and closer to the time where we're actually going to know a little bit more um, about what's going on and what you know. I would assume at San Diego Comic Con or at um, wherever they decide to do yeah. it, that we get a little bit of insight into what the Black Widow movie is actually going to be about. Yeah. Also, I'd like to add. I think one thing I'm worried about if it if it is indeed set after Civil War is uh, like I don't want them to include Steve Rogers in the picture because uh, because of his ending in Endgame, it's so poignant, it's so sweet. I feel like if he ends up showing up in Black Widow during that time, bearded Cap shows up there. I feel like that would undercut. His ending. I agree 100% with all with that, and that's one of the things that that, that I kind of back backlash against online when people talk to me about, well, what if it's an alternate universe widow and all that? And I, I keep saying like, they're insane if they bring back a, a, any kind of Black Widow this soon after Endgame. They're crazy to bring back Tony this soon after Endgame. They're crazy to bring back yeah, Cap. Yeah. For yeah. me, the only way I want to see that, and I've talked to, we've talked about this before, is 10 years, 5 years, 8 years, 10 years down the line, they bring the OG Avengers from another timeline into a Secret Wars type movie where we've had time oh, to learn shit. about these other characters. We've had time to 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 forget about all these original Avengers and then yeah. they can bring them back from some alternate timeline whether it be Earth 1610 or whatever where we have a different take on the same group of people. Other than that, they need to their their conclusion to their arc needs to needs to be let to set in on people for a while. I I think I think it would yeah. be a disservice to everything that the Russos have worked towards to throw these people back in and say like, hey, we just brought this other hey Nat just died, but we brought this other Nat over, and now we're just gonna pretend it's her. Uh, like that would just that would kill yeah, me. I would hate. Yeah, I could see them doing like a thing where you hear Chris Evans's voice in like Nat's earpiece. Sure. Like I think that's the most they could do. But even then, I feel like, oh, man, what? And I'd be fine with something small like that. I'd be more fine with her saying something like at the end of the movie that she's going to go, she's got to go meet up with them wherever they're going. All right. That's that's more reasonable to me. I mean, we know when the uh, time, yeah, played, yeah. time period, we know that they weren't done. I don't need, I just, I don't need it to be a cameo fest. Like for me, I want it to be her movie, right? Like I don't yeah, want her to be stolen with all these other people showing up as cameos. That's why, like, the whole Budapest Hawkeye thing, I could give a shit less what happened in Budapest. Like, but people are so fixated on they need to know that movie. Or, you know, I know that she had the line where she said uh, to, to the Winter Soldier, like, don't you even recognize me? I'd rather that all just be a mystery to me. Like, let me fill it in in my head. Tell me a yeah. different story. Tell me yeah. a better story. If it is set before Iron Man 2, maybe they could reference Budapest more. I'm on I'm on the uh, side of don't do it at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just like I don't need I don't need the solo Boba Fett movie to explain his entire background because I love not knowing. <laughs> you want to do a uh, want to talk about that big Robert Pattinson story? Yeah, that that to me like even though you and I are big Marvel nerds, um, the Robert Pattinson yeah. is the about big that. big story of the last yeah. week. So for, I'm sure by now everyone knows. Uh, uh, it was rumored last week that Robert Pattinson had been 
chosen to be the new Bruce Wayne Batman in uh, Matt Reeves' Batman story that's coming out. Uh, that was quickly countered by a couple other outlets who said that he hadn't signed the deal yet and that he and Nicholas Holt were in the running for it, but neither neither had been chosen at, at this point. Uh, and so here we are, like almost, I guess, almost a week later, and nothing has been made official yet. Apparently, yeah. Pattinson has been dodging questions. Um, I've had a couple of people that I talked to talk to me and say, like, they continue to hear Pattinson's name out front um that that he is probably going to be the guy but until it's official it's it's not official so charles what are your thoughts on this guy um p- potentially landing this role it's funny because i find it surprising that people are still outraged about his twilight movies it's a decade old bad movie decision he made and you think by now um we've seen heath ledger get the same backlash We've seen Ben Affleck get the exact same backlash, and we've seen how amazing they turned out on screen. So it's 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 weird that we're still we're still having this argument about uh, prejudging actors for getting roles. And it's not like Pattinson's a bad actor. He's he's been in a ton of great movies lately. Yeah, he's he has taken an opportunity. It's almost like the Twilight backlash against him kept him out of some some bigger roles over the past several years because yeah exactly so, so he's taken the opportunity to go into some smaller films some lesser known films and some take weird some weird movies some really weird movies yeah. where he's been pretty he's been pretty good he's been in in a couple cases he's been very surprising and and shown people that he can probably do a little bit more than than what you think and so for those of those of you who have only ever seen him be the sparkly Twilight vampire, <clears throat> that's not who the dude is anymore. That's not even kind yeah. of who he is. He's outgrown that entire thing, that the the whole franchise. He so I this think... struck me the other day. I and I this is gonna probably come out different than I want it to. You know, in a world where like you watch people who are actors, so for me the the example here is Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn has never been anybody other than Vince Vaughn in every single movie he's ever been in, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, he's the same person every single time. But then I think yeah. about people like Tom Hanks and Denzel Washington, who literally, like, disappear into or inhabit the role. And that, like, you, you sometimes forget you're looking at Tom Hanks. You forget you're looking at Denzel Washington. I'm not going to say that Pattinson is on the level of those guys. But in his last couple of movies... I haven't even recognized him as the dude from Twilight. Like, I was literally, yeah. what the, I have to look at the name of the one, but I was watching the one, and I was like, oh, shit, that's the dude from Twilight. Like, 20, 20 minutes, half hour into it before I realized that that's who I was looking at on screen. And I so, guess that's a testament to how good he is as an actor and how committed he is. I think the guy has, has like, grown into his craft. I think he's moved on past what everybody else's opinions of him are. He's certainly handsome as hell. Like there's there's yeah. no doubt in my mind that he's so like like if you're playing if you're playing Batman, what really matters is can someone believe you as Bruce Wayne? Because Batman yeah, exactly. 90% of the time is a stuntman. So unless you look ridiculous for the few shots they take mm. of your face in the suit, the real thing is is can you be Bruce Wayne? Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. To me, the dude, if if you told me that that dude was Bruce Wayne, there's even been on Twitter some people have shared some 
some artwork of Batman from different comics where he's just really not that far off looking from Pattinson. So yeah. I'm, I'm kind of excited about it. I think Reeves is a good director. I think he's, he's really taking his time with this, which is encouraging to me. I know it's frustrating to some people because they want to see the movie, but I'm encouraged by it. I'm excited about it. I think it's, I think it's cool news. I, like we said, I think it's the biggest story of the week. I mean, in my ideal world, we would have gotten that Ben Affleck led Ben Affleck directed Batman movie with him as Batman. Yeah. That's my ideal world because I'm such a huge fan of what he did with that Batman. And I love that they went with the, 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 the grizzled veteran seasoned Batman and not the young one. I'm excited for Pattinson. I'm, I'm excited for that detective mystery angle that they've barely even touched in the movies. Right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I would have loved to see Ben Affleck in the role more. But, I mean, Pattinson is not a bad replacement at all. He's an exciting replacement. And it certainly indicates a, a total change of direction, right? Like, you can't... No yeah. one's going to continue to think this is the same story being told. Like, it, it from certainly... Justice League, yeah, from Justice League. People are going to see there's totally a totally new guy. Cut the cord and move on, kind of thing. Have you heard anything about the villains? Is it still going to be like a multiple villain thing, uh, like we've heard from way back? Yep. Last I heard, there was like a, a possible possibility of as many as six. Um, seems like Penguin and Catwoman um, keep popping up as names that keep getting rumored. I haven't heard or seen anything official um, on on Batman. Nothing has come across my desk at all that in that. So I'm just going off of rumors that I've seen from, from other places. But, and I, I know for a lot of people, like the penguin and Catwoman combo goes back in time to what was this, which Batman movie was it returns where they were both in it. Returns. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I know that that Danny, the Danny DeVito version of the penguin. And um, so I don't, you know, I don't know how i feel about it yet but i do i'm really interested in like you just mentioned a minute ago being batman is the world's greatest detective he's in detective it's like the noir mystery angle to me is is intriguing i'm excited to see this this version he's a detective first and foremost that's his biggest i mean that was his first like wasn't that his first moniker in the in the comics he was the he was the world's greatest detective and it's so crazy that we've never had we've never had a Batman movie that truly delved into that aspect. Nope. And I think it's interesting because Tom King is writing Batman right now and Is it any good? I love it. I, I, I can't help but love everything that guy writes for some reason. Like, but he's really well, obviously like he's still writing a lot of Batman's physicality into it. Um, he's really made a point to focus on Batman's mental acuity. And that his intelligence and his preparedness is giving him an edge more often than not. And I, I've really enjoyed that a lot. And talking about the multiple villains thing, if it if it is indeed gonna be a detective story, I could see him I could see him bouncing off from place to place. He visits Penguin, he gets information, moves to maybe like, I don't know, Killer Croc or someone else, asks for inter- information and he's led to something someone else. Oh yeah, I could like a like following a trail kind of thing. I I, I like it. And yeah. It's it's going to depend on where that story ends, I suppose. So on the topic of comics uh, and and like favorite writers ever, um, we know that Jonathan Hickman 
is going to be writing two limited series for Marvel that were House of Axe and then Powers of Ten. And then last week, he, in an interview, broke the news, which I am like super thrilled about, that not only is he writing those two, that those two are going to serve to relaunch the entire X x-men side of marvel comics and that he will after that be writing whatever they call the flagship book of the of the x-men part of the marvel comics universe so that to me is like the absolute best case scenario i remember when the rumors started about hickman returning um a year or so ago whenever he was seen at the marvel retreat and one of my first thoughts Mm. first comments was Man, if he takes over the X-Men, I'm going to be some hmm. kind of happy. And so here we are like a year later, and it's going to be Hickman's vision is going to steer the future of the X-Men. So, um, Charles, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, I have a question first. He's doing uh, two X-Men books first. Yep. And then uh, that will serve as the, the, the launching point of the, the entire franchise, basically. Yeah. Is he writing uh, that entire franchise, or he's just gonna write like one book from it? So what I what I took away from his interview is that following the House of X and Powers of Ten stuff, he's gonna be writing whatever the the centerpiece book is, and then other writers oh, will be writing okay, the other I get it. books. I get it. I get it. Um, yeah, I'm super excited for it. I'm not a diehard Hickman fan like you. But I really like what he did with uh, Secret Wars and that, and that whole lead up with Marvel now, uh, the new Avengers stuff, the uh, what do you call that? The collision of um, multiverses. What do you call that? The term oh, convergence. Incursion. The incursions, yeah, the incursions. Um, yeah, I love I love his take on that. So I'm kind of excited uh, what he's planning for X Men. Um, isn't Hickman like a very heavy sci-fi writer? Yeah, and that and that's where he turns some people off. I know that I've talked to people who are like, man, he's really into explaining all the science stuff, and they just want to get yeah. to the to the fun parts. And for me, so for those of you that don't know, I'm a I'm a high school science teacher, and so I love I absolutely love all the the detail he puts into it, and all the thought and all the planning. Um, and this is going back to like his time on Fantastic Four and the Future Foundation, and then when he was doing Avengers and New Avengers in all the different crazy places he takes stuff. And I just, and and it's why I thought like when I heard he was back, I was like, man, is there a better place for a dude like this than the X-Men where you can get deep into their, the mutant genome. They go on all these kind of adventures. They, I mean, there's so much sci-fi that you can do with these guys. That's why I'm so pumped because I I think he's going to take, I mean, you can't just recreate the X-Men, right? Like, they have such a great history. But I think he can take yeah. that history and, and give it depth and give it detail. And then he can also do some, like, super exciting new things. I, I'm so happy. And I also wonder, like, if it isn't coincidental that he comes on board and sets the scene, you know, four or five years before we see the X-Men come into the MCU. Yeah, I mean, my biggest takeaway was that line in the press release about Something to do with like synergy, or there was definitely an indication about the Fox deal. Yep, they. I mean, people used to kind of poo-poo the notion that that Marvel was staying away from 
making the, the the Fantastic Four and the Inhuman or Fantastic Four and the X Men such a big deal at the expense of the Inhumans because they they didn't want to buy into this thing, idea that Marvel would you know hold back some of their most popular characters um, due to the movie rights not being there. But when you think about how much like the word synergy, how much synergy there is between the movies and the comics, and how the comics helps help them or the movies help sell the comics. And some of the, you know, some of the changes they've made to characters in the movies have made their way into the comics. So yeah. I, I kind of always thought there was, it was reasonable that there was something there. And now that they own them again, um, putting them back at, as like a, a, a hub of what they do is a, is a good idea. And I, I am kind of sad because Matthew Rosenberg has been writing Uncanny X-Men and I've absolutely loved what he's been doing with it it's very much to me in like the like a spiritual successor to the chris claremont on candy x-men which was like how Whoa. i got the x-men comics to begin with um mm. and that's gonna that's dying out now as this whole thing kind of this new era comes to a that one's gonna come to an end as a new one begins so yeah i guess i'm it's a sacrifice i'm willing to to accept, though, because I'm oh, sorry yeah. about Hickman. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at his press release now. His term was vertically integrated opportunities at the company that were not available when I was there last. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I think it's hinting to a lot of bigger stuff. Yep. And man, the the rest of the universe is in an interesting place right now, the Marvel Comics universe um with what's what what's going on like in the war of the realms and the in the avengers book you know and those are like the avengers book is always kind of setting the stage for the big events that's going on um it's it's an interesting place i think i imagine that the however the war of the realms concludes is going to leave things in a in a further interesting place i have no idea what any of it's how it's going to go but it's um it's a time where the Avengers, I'm enjoying the Avengers stories, but they're not huge stories right now. Um, they're not crazy kind of, you know, okay. like when Hickman was writing Avengers and new Avengers and you were, you could tell you were building towards something massive. They don't seem to yeah. be doing that right now. So um, it's an interesting place where the X-Men quite literally could come in and become the central hub of, of Marvel comics. Are, are the Avengers stories now, or are they like, um, small scale they the most recent thing like with the vampire they've gone through a vampire war um blade mm. and dracula and and a different group of vampires there it's 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 still fairly i a big deal the vampires are trying to take over the world but they're not really expanding beyond what the core group of of avengers are like they're just uh, okay. letting that that group go out and fight and you know i guess it's reminiscent of some Gosh, I, I have such a hard time in my head figuring out who was writing it at the time. But some of the late 80s stuff where there just was like a core team and they went out and did different things here and there. And at a time when oh, they, okay. yeah. they weren't necessarily writing a bunch of huge crossover events. So it kind of it kind of reminds me of some of that stuff. Maybe like some of the, when the Black Knight, maybe I'm, out, I'm off on the timeline, but maybe like when the Black Knight was was on the team and a lot of the stuff they did even if they went to space or even if it was a, a, a big fight on earth where it was just like that, that core group that did the thing. And it doesn't seem to yeah. be leading towards any major 
you know, civil war event or secret war event. It seems like they're just letting it play out as a team book. And it's really good. Like Jason Aaron's writing it and I've really enjoyed it, but it doesn't yeah. seem heading towards some huge event, right? At least right now, because the huge event has been built up to uh, through the Thor books. I mean, for Hickman, uh, he recommended to me like a few weeks back to read uh, Avengers World. I'm in the process of reading that. And I think the whole that whole uh, book was plotted by Hickman, but it's being written by Nick Spencer. Right. But uh, I really dig what they what what the two have been doing with that with the yeah, Avengers I, world. I, I I really like the international aspect of the of the whole thing. I like the team being split into multiple teams, multiple international teams. You got the Brazilian um, Sunspot. You got Shang Chi. I, I really like how colorful the, the team is. Yeah, I, I when I started reading that, um, when, I don't know, when was that, when was that out? Like 2012, 13, 14, 15? 2014, like, 2014, 15, so, yeah. And me, like after the first two or three issues, I realized like, man, this has taken some of these characters who have been out of the spotlight for a while and really given them a chance to shine and given them some interesting stuff to do. And maybe people like, and th- that's to me where they reinvented Shang-Chi to what, you know to his full potential of what he could be in a modern story yeah, yeah. um i yeah. loved it I, I i dug it a lot when i was reading them and so to be to be honest about this whole thing with hickman like there are a few runs uh of comics that i've reread the entire run multiple times and one of those is hickman's fantastic four and future foundation another one of those is hickman's avengers and new avengers so like like i said i am way into the way that he presents his information into the sci-fi and while I know it isn't for everybody like it's for me for you know and for the purpose of this podcast for us to talk about the stuff we want to talk about I couldn't be any happier what x-men are you looking forward to the most under hickman's uh run I don't know that Is I'm there any even... particular character you'd like him to focus on or you'd like him to get his hands on I'm always I'm always the most interested in Cyclops. That's always my favorite. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he's the best. Oh, I, I love him. And yeah. he's he's going through some struggles right now on Uncanny. So he's kind of primed to be to be reinvented. Um I mean if I had to pick a team of X-Men that I would like if yeah. if, if I was gonna say like Hickman, write these core X-Men and I had to pick a team, I would want it to be Cyclops, Nightcrawler, Colossus. Yes. Oh um, yeah. Kitty Pride. I've always really been into Kitty Pride, and then, you know, beyond that, I'd probably try to find some like, some off the wall kind of character that people might not yeah. think belongs in there. I've never been like a huge multiple man fan, but I have liked some of the stuff with Madrox when he, um, he becomes a detective. Actor. Yeah, I've kind of I've liked some of that stuff. Um, so I don't know. I guess. I guess I would go in maybe in that order. Cyclops. Um, I would go Nightcrawler, Colossus, Kitty Pride. Even though they've had kind of a a sad little, they were going to get married and didn't get married. Um, I've enjoyed Beast, but I could stay away from Beast for a little while. So Mm. I don't know. Maybe maybe something crazy like throw Sunfire back into the mix or. Um, you know, it's interesting now it's just hit me in the last, in one of the last issues of uncanny, um, juggernaut comes along and is helping out the team. So I wouldn't even be opposed to something crazy like that. happening. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
That's where cool, yeah. a guy who, but he's not really a mutant, but you know, still I could, I could deal with it. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm there and I'm trying to think of off the top of my head, some like off the cuff character, you know who I like? Okay. Here's cool. who I like. and might be a nice, a nice foil to, to Cyclops is if you could give me Quentin Quire on, on the main X-Men team. <laughs> I, I was would, supposed to, I, I was supposed to mention do, that. Yeah. I could do that. Yeah. Uh, speaking of X-Men, I think we should take the time to express our anticipations for Dark Phoenix. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, the, like the how, genius like on a, Simon Kinberg. On a scale of, 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 um, on a scale of zero to one, how hyped are you? How hyped are you for uh, the, the, the grand finale that is Dark Phoenix? I I couldn't care less about anything that that I'll, that'll come in theaters in the next six months. I am I'm in a weird spot right now, time wise, where I know like John Wick three is coming out, Godzilla's coming out, Aladdin's coming out. Yeah. Like I really want to see Rocket Man. Um, I really really want to see Rocket Man. And like if I could go on and list another dozen movies, and Dark Phoenix will never show up on my list. Like I. <laughs> I don't care to watch it. The last two have absolutely like I when I watched first class, I was like, okay, like this could I'm confused about no. why they the decisions they made, but it was it was okay. Like I was okay with it. And the it last It was a fresh start. Yeah, it was it was fine. Um yeah. Days of Future Past, which I know a lot of people like. I was just so so on. And then Apocalypse was just like someone came in and just took a shit all over everything. Like yeah. that was just such a yeah. horrible movie. And yeah, I have no interest. Um, I think I've told you before, but like, I know we talked about it in light of Venom, but my youngest especially loves the new X-Men movies. Like she thinks, Mm. she thinks they're just the coolest. And I'm like, God, how can you watch this stuff? But again, they don't have any (laughs) expectations or connections to comics. So um, the only way in which I'll ever view that movie is when she convinces me to watch it with her or when it, when it goes on, on sale on Voodoo for three ninety nine for the UHD copy. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's about the time that we'll watch it. I don't even think she knows it's coming out. So I think like when the trailer came on for, uh, I think we were in Endgame when the trailer came on for it. And I was like, hey, that'd be a really good time to go to the a good time to go pee before the movie starts. So yeah. I'm, I don't even think she knows it's coming out. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, the last trailers were so... Like, I know they put out a bunch of, like, new TV spots. And just from the thumbnail alone, it looks like garbage. Yeah, I... And, and I saw you <laughs> arguing with someone saying, like, um, right, because the movie was tracking, like, for how much? Like, 50. 10 million, something like that. 50 million, yeah. And yeah. someone was... I, I, saw, I saw someone tell you, like, hey, that's not bad. <laughs> yeah, it's what First Class made. The last <laughs> stand, was it Last Stand that he said? Or first class. It was one of them. But I mean, like, it was 10 years ago. It's not... God. That's not a, a good time, excuse. That's such a bad... A time, uh, any superhero. Like, Shazam made a shitload of money and no one even knew what it was. Yeah. It's not good. And you've got for this... X-Men, a 20-year-old franchise that's making zero money. <laughs> it it blows my mind that they... Like, the, the biggest mistake, if, if, if you could even say there's just a biggest mistake, because when a franchise of movies is as consistently underperformed as the X-Men franchise has recently, you can't say there's just one mistake, 
But the thing that Fox blew the, that that they probably should regret is that they never took the X-Men into space, that they never like took took a chance on the Shi'ar or the Brood or any of the Star Jammers, right? Any of the crazy space stuff that we've seen Marvel Studios have like huge success with. And, and yeah. you, know, you know, for me, like when Marvel Studios reboots it, that I'm all on board with it, starting with the Star Jammers. Like for me, it's pretty crazy that um, even for Mr. Sinister, they couldn't even like deliver on it. No, couldn't even follow through. It oh, just a, and he's a weird villain, and I don't know that he'd be my first choice. But now, like, if they do, if the Guardians of the Galaxy stuff is accurate and, and high evolutionary um, does turn out to be in there, and they want to have him tied somehow to Earth from a long time ago, then Mr. Sinister, you know, then you could be looking at the connection to Mister Sinister there too. Like, there's there's stuff that that Marvel Studios, you know, Kevin Feige has watched all these X-Men movies and just like he's face palmed five dozen times per movie. <laughs> he's he's taking <laughs> notes and he's just gotta be I, I mean I know when we talked to him last year in, in uh in LA we asked him specifically about the X-Men and he didn't have yeah. a whole lot he could say. Um but like facial expressions and body language and stuff like I would guess that he's as excited to get his hands on the X-Men and do yes. them the right way as anything right. I, I mean he i think that that's his that's his jam i think the x-men i mean he's about the same age as i am and i think if you're the same age as i am and you re- grew up reading x-men you got the best yeah of the, you got chris the claremont run, yeah. best. so yeah i think that that works out who do you think jessica chastain is in the movie is she playing like a like a shiar or maybe like a some some weird alien I think I think that she's just I think they just made her like generic alien. Oh my god. Has some knowledge about stuff. Like to me the holy shit. Not taking How do you make something gear. that generic? <laughs> when you have like the CR, you have you have fucking Warbird, you have Lilandra out there. How do you fucking make that generic? I I just don't know. I don't have any I don't have any explanation. I don't know how oh Kinberg Kinberg can make the same movie twice and not get it right either time. And I haven't seen the movie yet, so I could, you know, I am certainly judging a book by its cover, but man, it looks like shit. Like, I'll admit, I'm pretty excited to see the train wreck that it is. <laughs> like, I can't wait to see how bad it is. Because in our heads, we're, we're hyping it up to be like the worst thing ever. Yeah. And honestly, I'll be, I'll be a bit disappointed if it ends up being good. <laughs> <laughs> like, what wa- all. like after I watch it, oh shit, it's good. Fuck. <laughs> I'll be I'll be I'll be legit like, oh man, I wish it sucked. Well you're gonna you're gonna go see it in theaters, right? For sure, yeah. First day, dude. So, I'm so you'll, there first you'll day. message me, you'll message me and as soon as you get out and I'll wake up in the morning and read oh, it. I can't oh, I can't yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man, for sure. You and you can just go yeah. ahead. Fully spoil that one for me because I don't care. Yeah, like I'm, I'm pretty excited to see uh, the merits of them changing the big rumored third act space fight to a fucking highway chase. <laughs> like I'm, I'm, I'm dying to see. I'm, I'm dying to understand why they made that decision. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I have a hard time believing that. Like 
Marvel had enough time to influence any of the, t- the decisions or that Disney had enough time to influence any of the decisions. But that part of that is in my head. I was like, well, they do own it now and it hasn't come out yet. So maybe, you know, maybe they started leaning on them and pushing on them ahead of time to take some stuff out that they wanted. I, I mean, I don't know. Like originally, do you remember it rumored that, that Chastain's character was going to be a Skrull? Yeah. And I don't, I don't think that's the case. I think it's not completely not the case that she's just a, uh, just generic alien is what I was told. So we'll see. I mean, I haven't, I haven't seen it. I've talked to people who have seen versions of it, like have screened it and they said it was bad, but it's also been, there's been reshoots since then. What is there left to talk about? Uh, so just, oh, the, uh, yeah. Oh, the, uh, yeah. Uh, so a bit of breaking news, I guess. Um, Jessica Jones finally has a re- release date or maybe month rather. So any of you looking forward to watching the final Netflix show, uh, it's coming out next month. There's no specific date yet given, but yeah, the last of the Netflix shows is coming out next month. Yep, so we and get a, a release of, of whatever Jessica Jones Season 3 is going to be about. Um, yeah. God, it seems like forever ago we had the breakdowns for that. and they were Yeah, the wrestling super, breakdowns. Super vague. I remember guessing that maybe the power broker was um going to be involved in season three and we still have no idea anything about it at all like that's the thing i'm looking forward to the most whether uh your old stories pan out because we haven't seen anything from the show not we haven't even gotten a poster let alone a trailer so i'm i'm pretty i'm I'm excited to know whether some of those wrestling stories you you (laughs) guessed pans out yeah because like, like, like like back then when you were talking about it, it seemed super plausible. Yeah, like the 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 second season dealt with people, you know, Trish, for example, trying to get powers um, gifted to her, and however the, you want to say it. Yeah, and and that fat speedster from the start. Yeah. So I mean, like some some crazy off the wall dude, like the power broker who's out there peddling, however he's doing yeah. it, pills or whatever. Because you know the the MGH was such a huge part of the of the Jessica Jones alias story that this could yeah. be their way of, of tying it in. Like, yeah, we can give you guys powers. And what happens in a world where, you know, we can dish out temporary powers to everybody? It's, I mean, it's, yeah. it's plausible. I have no idea. I've heard nothing, like zero, since uh, the, the breakdowns. I didn't even know when they started filming or anything. Like, it's just been <laughs> because they knew what was going on with it, that, with the Netflix shows, that it's just been nobody was digging, nobody was asking any questions. and. I mean, we'll see. Hopefully, it's a it's a good show. the The first season I really liked. The second season was tough for me to get through. So hopefully, oh, it's yeah. a nice finale to the Netflix shows. But I mean, it's it's dead in the water. It's a lame duck thing. So I guess one way or the other, it doesn't really matter. Sort of like Dark Phoenix. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty curious how Netflix is going to approach marketing this, because they kind of don't have any incentive to push it anymore because. It's, it's not theirs. The, the IP isn't theirs anymore. Yeah, they can they um, to do anything with it. Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, it's their show. Who wouldn't want people to watch their show? Right. I mean, it's their viewer count at the end of the day. So, I don't know. I'm interested in seeing how they go with it. A trailer should drop soon if it's coming up next month. Yeah, you'd, you'd think over the next week or two, you'd get at least something. Uh, yeah. A- one of the little motion posters or a teaser of some sort, but yeah, we, it's, it's crazy to think we've seen absolutely nothing. So, yeah. yeah. 
you know, of all those characters in that, in that universe, um, you know, you can think of this, if, if they do reboot these characters or, or redo these characters somewhere down the line, I don't know what, what future there is for her, you know, out of all the, out of the four of them, she's the one that, you know, she's always been very standalone on other than her stuff with um, being in the new Avengers and, and her relationship with Luke, like a lot of her stories have been just her own thing. So it's, yeah. when you think about reintegrating her into the MCU, into a bigger connected universe, she poses a bit of a challenge, you know, like it, it'd be a little bit easier to, well, the, the one to me, that's like the, the one that I'll always regret never made it into the larger MCU was Luke Cage, because I loved when Bendis got a hold of him and had him like, Oh yeah. The new Avengers. Yeah. On equal ground with cap. Like he was the leader of the yeah, Avengers. Exactly. That, that to me was a missed opportunity, but for Jessica, I don't know. I don't know that you'd see her again. So I guess this, this could be her farewell altogether. Did she have another comic run? She after, had uh, Pulse. The she had Alias one. and then the Pulse. Yeah, yeah. Alias, Pulse. But did she have like a more contemporary one? Yeah, recently. Um, I don't know, two years ago or so, they ran a, another oh, okay. Jessica Jones series. Yeah. yeah. Was, but it, it was, was good. it by Bendis still? Yep. And it was good. It was... Um, I don't want to okay, say it was, but I don't know if there was 12, 16 of them. So, also, right, it was I'm, basically a, a mini series. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't long ongoing for long. All right. Well, that's all the time we have for this episode. We thank you guys for listening. Uh, we continue to to work on making this a better experience for you guys, following our script a little bit more. So, uh, let us know any feedback. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Charles Murphy. At underscore Charles Murphy, sorry. And you are? You guys could find me at CFS Villanueva on Twitter. So we thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you soon. All right, bye.